This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. There has been a lot of discussion in the legislature this year about vaccines and whether they should be required in private, parochial, or virtual schools. I thought any weakening of those laws, including the public virtual schools, uh, is a crack in the armor. Unfortunately, that, as we're going to talk about, I think that's moved even further uh, during the debate of this bill. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. As this year's window for proposing new legislation draws to a close, nonprofits that support victims of domestic violence are calling for more state funding. Jack Walker has the story. 14 groups working to curb domestic violence in West Virginia gathered in the state capitol on a busy Tuesday morning. With the end of this year's legislative session in sight, Joyce Yadlowski, team coordinator with the West Virginia Coalition Against Domestic Violence, said that the groups are still in dire need of state funding. And we're all private nonprofit organizations who haven't had a raise in the state budget for over 10 years. And so we're for asking for a line item increase in the budget to be able just to keep up with the cost of living. Yadlowski said lawmakers have been receptive to the coalition's requests, but that time might be running out. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Jack Walker in Charleston. A bill to restrict mugshots from public view until after a person is convicted sparked debate in the House of Delegates Tuesday. Randy Yowie has more. House Bill 4621 would deny the release of booking photos or mugshots with some public safety exceptions until a person is convicted of the crime instead of upon arrest. Several delegates opposed the bill. They said that making mugshots public right after arrest protects the defendant, the victim, and the public. But Delegate Larry Rowe, a Democrat from Kanawha County, says publicizing mugshots before conviction prejudges a person who is innocent until proven guilty. Whenever you're... You or your loved ones are on one of those those sheets and, and those magazines that they sell and then you have to pay to get out of. Everybody knows that you are guilty in the court of public opinion. The mugshot restriction bill passed 54 to 46 and now goes on to Senate consideration. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yoey in Charleston. The Senate passed a bill Tuesday that would require public schools to show a video of the early stages of human development. Brianna Heaney has more. Senate Bill 468 is known as the Baby Olivia Bill. The bill requires that public school teachers show a four-minute video on human development to 8th graders and 11th graders. The bill also includes an amendment that says life begins at conception. Senator Tom Zakubo, a Republican from Kanawha County and a practicing doctor, said he was not going to vote for the bill because there is information in the video that is not medically accurate. And although some of that is true, there are other discrepancies within the video that are grossly inaccurate. Other Republicans voted against the bill because of concerns that language in the bill would violate the constitutional separation between church and state. The bill was passed with six no votes. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. A bill limiting what West Virginia schools can teach about diversity is advancing in the state Senate. Chris Schultz has more. Titled the Restoring Sanity Act, Senate Bill 870 aims to limit what schools, both K-12 through and higher education, can require to be taught when it comes to issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
If passed, state institutions of education would not be able to, for example, teach about implicit bias or systemic racism. Hank Hager, Education Committee Counsel, explained exceptions to the new restrictions are carved out for the purpose of academic discussion or context. The bill qualifies the above prohibitions by allowing the discussion of the above concepts in theory as part of an academic course of discussion. The bill was recommended to the full Senate, where it was read a first time Monday afternoon before being referred to the Judiciary Committee. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. One of the banks barred from state contracts by the treasurer's office is financing the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Curtis Tate has more. In 2022, following the enactment of Senate Bill 262, Treasurer Riley Moore issued the first list of restricted financial institutions he determined were not friendly to fossil fuels. One of those was BlackRock. Moore accused the firm of putting China's interests over West Virginia's and encouraging companies to move away from coal, oil, and natural gas. Two years later, BlackRock is still on the list. But a report earlier this month from the Sierra Club shows that in 2022 and 2023, BlackRock bought more than $45 million in bonds issued by EQT Corporation. Not only is EQT one of the largest gas producers in Appalachia, it also is poised to be the biggest user of the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Once the pipeline becomes operational this year, EQT plans to use it to ship 1.2 billion cubic feet of gas per day, 303 miles from north-central West Virginia to southern Virginia. That's two-thirds of the pipeline's total capacity. Environmental groups and landowners have long opposed the pipeline. The state's leading elected officials have been its biggest champions. Ben Cushing, director of the Sierra Club's fossil-free finance campaign, said BlackRock is one of the world's biggest investors in fossil fuels. One of the largest shareholders of most publicly traded fossil fuel companies on the planet. Five banks are on the original list. Moore sent letters this week to six more. They have 45 days to prove they're not boycotting fossil fuels or they will be added to the list. Jared Hunt, a Treasury spokesman, said SB 262 allows any company to petition the Treasurer to be removed from the list. None has asked to be removed, Hunt said. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 750. Strong to severe thunderstorms will be possible this morning ahead of a cold front. Storms will be capable of producing damaging wind gusts, large hail, small chance for tornadoes, and heavy downpours. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning for Jackson, Marshall, Mason, Ohio, Putnam, and Work counties. Also, a tornado watch in Boone, Calhoun, Canal, Logan, Mingo, Pleasance, Ritchie, Tyler, Wirt, and Wood counties until 10 o'clock this morning. There's been a lot of discussion in the legislature this year about vaccines and whether they should be required in private, parochial, or virtual schools. 
There has been spirited debate on the topic in the last few days. Our health reporter Emily Rice spoke with Delegate Chris Pritt, a Republican from Kanawha County, and Delegate Joey Garcia, a Democrat from Marion County, to get their perspectives. So excluding the religious exemption argument for now, um, how did either of you feel about the committee version of the bill? I'll start with you, uh, Delegate Pritt. I thought it was a very, very good bill coming out. Uh, I certainly uh, liked and approved of all of the amendments that were after that, but I thought it was a good bill. I thought it was a good start, and uh, I'm just glad we were able to get it out of committee. And what about you? How did you feel about the bill coming out of committee? So the, looking at the bill, when you, when you think about West Virginia and the fact that we're leading the nation in our immunization rates of our children and, and, uh, and with the type of unhealthy population that we have, too, here, uh, I thought any weakening of those laws, including the public virtual schools, uh, is a crack in the armor. And, is, and, and, and unfortunately, that, as we're going to talk about, I think that's yeah. moved even further uh, during the debate of this bill. Yeah. And so um, did you support excluding public virtual students from vaccination? Obviously, you did not support and you did support. Um, what is your reasoning behind that support? And I'll let you go first again, Delia Pritt. Well, I think it's important to note that in terms of vaccinations, while one argument is that we are at the top when it comes to vaccinations, and while that may be true, it's also true that when it comes to medical freedom, we are at the bottom. We are at the bottom in terms of medical freedom, the kind of freedoms that, we, that are allowed in many, many other states. So it's factual that 45 states have a religious exemption. Uh, to vaccinations. And so any kind of bill that pushes us more in the direction of medical freedom, that's generally what I'm going to, going to be in favor of when it comes to vaccinations. What this bill does is it puts us more in line with many other states, most of other states in particular, when it comes to religious liberties. So I think that this bill, as it stands, puts us more in line with all of those states and recognizing the liberty interests of parents. Okay. And Delica Garcia, why do you feel like it's not a good idea to exclude um, public virtual students from vaccination? Well, again, I think starting with that part of the bill, which again, the bill is shaped into something completely different. I, I think it's just a crack in something that's an otherwise good policy. And so um, I understand kind of the reasoning behind it that maybe those children aren't in contact with other students. I, I know we had the amendment that was in committee that um, would, would, again, require the immunizations if somebody was going to participate in extracurricular activities and interact. So I get that, but I didn't want to see anything, any type of bill that was going to put us in a situation where we're going to break down our good child immunization laws. Okay. All right. And so then on the House floor, the bill was amended to include a religious exemption <laughs> to vaccination. So as the law stands currently, West Virginia is one of five states that will only accept a medical exemption to vaccination. This is a bill that would allow parents or guardians to present a letter stating that a child cannot get vaccinated for religious reasons. If this bill were to become law, what are some pros and cons of that change in state code from each of your perspectives? And for, uh, for uh, fairness sake, I'll let Delegate Garcia go first this time. So one thing I want to respond to with um, Delegate Pritt is talking about freedom. And, and the reality is we have medical exemptions that are available for people that might have a bad interaction with immunization. So, I mean, there is that freedom. But, but there's, when it comes to religious freedom, we have laws of general application. We, uh, and there's a number of different things. I mean, you can't 
uh, polygamy is not allowed in the state of West Virginia. Uh, last year, uh, luckily, we, we finally outlawed child marriage, or most child marriages, uh, which could have a religious connotation, or, or in the past, those have been something that's been prevalent. Uh, same thing with murder or Sharia law. We don't allow that just because somebody has a religious belief. Here, immunizations protect our vulnerable population, our kids, things like meningitis. Uh, you know, if, if there's outbreaks in a dorm, that affects somebody for the rest of their life. And so things like polio, measles, uh, and measles in particular, that's, that's one area where other states that have opened up uh, and allowed for these types of exemptions, they have seen outbreaks. We have not seen that in West Virginia. And I think that's really the strongest reason why we want to keep a healthy population. And uh, Delegate Pritt? Well, briefly in response, one of the things that I think is very, very important to note is that in these other states, um, these bill, this is nothing new. The concept of having medical exemptions in addition to exemptions based on religion, this is something that is being done in other states. It's been done for years in other states, even based on religion and other reasons. And one of, one of the things I think is also important to note is that, look, science changes over time. I mean, there have been horrific things that have been done in the name of science. So, for example, I was talking with my mom the other day, and she was talking about a distant cousin that died just about 10 years ago. And that distant cousin that we have, or had, I should say, um, had been lobotomized. He had undergone a lobotomy over 50 years ago. So that was the medical science at the time, and that changes over time in terms of what is generally accepted to be appropriate. That was Delegate Chris Pritt and Delegate Joey Garcia speaking with Appalachia Health News reporter Emily Rice about vaccines in schools. To hear the rest of that conversation, visit our website and tune into the legislature today every evening at 6 p.m. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. <laughs>